0: Christy Lynn Hanty, and you know I love it when I get to have guests on, and we're building up what I like to call a little AWOL zebra family, and that's a group of individuals that I have been fortunate enough to connect with that believe there are other ways of trying to get better. They don't just accept what they've been told and they start searching for different modalities. And that's what I love about our next guest. Welcome to AWOL Zebra,
1: Mel Gurry. How are you today? Hi, Christy. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well today.
0: Outstanding. Now, I love it. Now, we, we talk a lot, you know, off the podcast. And there's a lot I know that we have that we can share. There's, there's a lot that you are knowledgeable in that I find fascinating that I want to explore. But I thought today would be a good day with the holidays and with the way this illness affects us and makes us feel alone, you're in pain. It's the time of year where people are getting up and they're going out, they're going to holiday parties and maybe this is your first year with this illness. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a loved one. You're grieving the loss of yourself and you've experienced a lot of this and you have sought out ways to not just sit there and allow yourself to be consumed by it you have sought out ways and I thought that would be good if maybe you could help,
1: you know, share with us a few of your little tricks. (laughs) Sure. I'd be happy to. And as a energy healer, I worked for a long time, never really experiencing grief and loss. Um, I certainly had had injuries and pain and the uh, signs Over my life that I had hypermobility and didn't realize it, not diagnosed until I was um, 52. So it all made sense once my pain started increasing and I started learning from others, which is why for me, I'm happy to share as much as I can, because that's what got me my diagnosis. That's how I realized all the little things that happened over the course of my life, all all the pieces started to come together, and I know so many people say it that way. Um, so, not experiencing the type of loss though that I started to experience once I, um, you know, had a I had a negative, adverse reaction from a chiropractic test where he pushed down on my head quite hard. I think harder than what the test required. And that kind of set off a lot of issues, structural issues, insomnia, rapid heart, um, just such a long list. And I did not connect the dots to that incident. (laughs) So I went a long time, very confused. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't didn't realize that, um, you know, as an energy healer, we pick up things and we feel things. And so um, there were a lot of things that I could have explained away. And it finally kind of started to sink in that that's when it started. And once I started researching from there, I realized there was more to it. And that that really was a negative adverse reaction. Um, and so I guess, you know, just going forward and losing my parents and experiencing loss in a very short time. Um, one passed in April and the other passed in July, both of them sudden, unexpected. My mother had heart surgery and we lost her in during the surgery. Um, and we, we did not expect that at all, you know, it was supposed to be a simple in and out procedure. And it was not. Um, my father, three months later, was a tragic um, accident and fall on vacation. So those for me, even though I had helped so many people with grief and loss of a loved one, it was more of a, a channeled and more detached way of being able to help people Once I went through it myself and had to go through those feelings and go through those stages, I saw it very differently. And then once my condition worsened and my pain worsened and I had to go through some of the losses that I hear others experience of, as simple as not being able to wear makeup and feeling like that loss of identity, which one of your prior guests had mentioned and really resonated with me. Um you know, to more serious things, not being able to hike or do things that I normally do in my day and watching other people do that. So I experienced those and I still experience those. And how I handle it is something that I think may bring up some sort of inspiration, Christy.
0: Yeah, no, no, I I definitely, I, I definitely think so, because you brought up varying degrees of of things that we grieve and something that some people would think, Oh, how vain you're upset because you can't wear makeup anymore. That can be a big deal for someone. Certainly. Um... And, and, and and granted, if somebody's sitting there crying over the loss of a loved one and then somebody's sitting there crying over makeup, it, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not the same thing, but, but no, I believe that, You can help, because even though it might seem minute and unimportant to one person,
1: doesn't mean that it can't be overwhelming for another. Right. And I think one thing that I wanted to maybe explore in this conversation is what do you do on a daily basis that help you to feel good? You know What are some things that make you feel good inside, even though you might have varying degrees of pain and feelings about this condition and grief and loss? What are some things that, simple little things that just give you a little bit of uplift for the day? Things for me are examples of using essential oils. I have chemical sensitivity. Um, I've been able to turn the dial down. It was quite extreme at times. And at the current moment, I'm not reacting when I'm out and about, which is a huge relief because it was really hard going out and, you know, people will be wearing cologne or perfume or getting hugs if I'm out and having to get home and shower and wash my hair and change my clothes just because of a hug. Have
0: you ever, I mean, once that smell gets on you, it permeates everything. It doesn't matter it's all you can think about until you get off. until Until you get it off of you, is it is it that way for you?
1: I feel like it's. It even goes. You know, once it goes in and you breathe it in, it's in your nose. It's in your throat. Yeah. It starts. You know, right. I mean, you know, for me, I do get uh, physically ill from some things, and I would say in the last year or so, it's really dialed down. I've been able to handle people with perfume and getting hugs and not having it bother me. Going to the hairdresser. I only go once a year because the chemicals were so bad for me and I had to tell them that. Um, Also with my neck and different issues, I no longer have them wash my hair. I can't have my hair washed there. So I wash it at home. I show up. I get a simple haircut and get out of there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so once it gets in, once I breathe that in, uh, what the simple things that I have used that I found beneficial would be peppermint essential oil. I carry that with me. Um, I find that if I put a little bit on my fingers and I hold it to my nostrils and I breathe that in slowly, immediately the impact gets neutralized faster. Also, if I take a drop of peppermint and I put it to the roof of my tongue or, uh, to the roof of my mouth and hold it there just for a moment, which sometimes it's hard to do if you're out and you don't want to really put your hands in your mouth and look like a a weirdo, but you know what? I don't don't care care. anymore. (laughs) I don't care. I I risk that over, um, you know, how I look and what I'm doing over the impact of if I don't. Um, The other thing you can do is mix essential oil with another um, lotion that you can handle and you rub it on your solar plexus. If you rub it on your solar plexus, it has a calming effect when you're starting to get stressed or your stomach is stressed and maybe you're not digesting food well due to stress or grief or loss. That's another way to calm down the stomach. There's, um, specific plexus let's, for those of
0: the solar plexus, where is that on your body?
1: So on your body, it's below the pec or chest line, the breast line. It's at your lower ribs. When you feel that separation between the two ribs, it's in there. It's if I told you something very upsetting, some people will feel pain in this area. (gasps) When you get stressed, you feel that pain in that area. It gets tight and it gets cramping. Um, so oh, okay. using something simple, it will help.
0: Okay. Okay. So that legitimizes when people are like, oh, I feel like I'm just, I've, I've, I've been sucker punched or I've, I've. Yes. Okay. I gotcha. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, you know, as an energy healer, what we talk about is the solar plexus has a solar chakra, solar plexus chakra in the front and in the back. And typically when we feel loss, grief, loneliness, pain, anxiety, worry, all those emotions Along with higher emotions of courage and inspiration. And um, when you have that inner, you know, emotion to just overcome, can also come from the solar plexus. So it has a higher, lower vibration. And simple things you can do are breathing methods where you fill that area up. What we tend to do is when we're stressed and we feel the loss and the grief or the pain, we tend to hold our breath, right? Our reaction is, (gasps) you know, you hold your breath, you're shallow breathing, um, especially when you start to feel a loss on such a deep level, you can concave in your chest and start to, you know, you look at people that are shoulders rolled forward and it's kind of concaved in the chest and it's, you know, that deep sense of grief and loss. So it's important to breathe through these emotions. And I love one of your other podcasts where um, I'm not sure who was on was talking about just feeling those feelings. And sometimes we have toxic positivity. As an energy healer, I really, really, really identify with that. Um, Sometimes in the community of energy healers, it's disconnect from that. Don't look at that. Don't feel that. Breathe it out and just be positive and connect to your soul and connect to these higher vibrations. Yes, that might be true. It also might be true that you just need to feel these feelings and you need support. You need either a therapist or support group or a friend, family member, all kinds of other resources so that you can feel those feelings and not stuff them or try and push them out or ignore them.
0: Well, what about, because at times where, you know, we, we are trained in a sense, or or I think those of us, you know, that have HEDS are very resilient, I, I do believe, and, and the individuals I think can, can take a lot of pain. And at times you're told like to tamp things down. You just, you know, push it down. Don't, you know, don't have these feelings. That way you can continue to move forward. At what point do you decide which feelings that you you don't tamp down versus the feelings that you need to feel? I mean, is there a uh, 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 anything? <laughs> because sometimes like you're saying, you need to be able to sometimes feel those emotions and then other times we need to tamp it down. So how do you find like a happy medium?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I ask myself all the time. <laughs> and, um you know, sometimes you just sense it, right? Sometimes you're like, okay, I'm I'm done with this. I need to move on now when you're ready. It's an internal knowing. And for me, I believe connecting to your soul or your higher self or your guides or your God or whatever inspiration of divinity you have, or just simply asking, even if none of that resonates with you and that's not something that you're interested in. I went through a good part of my life where I wasn't interested in meditation, energy healing. None of that was interesting to me. So you can just go internally and ask yourself, are you ready to, you know, move on for a long time. I know a lot of listeners who have grief will identify with um, not being able to feel joy, not being able to laugh at things. Um, even now, I mean, um, I haven't talked about this in a long time. So I can feel that quite easily. I'm surprised right now because oh, my parents have passed six years ago. So um, when I go back to that place that deep, deep sadness where it's difficult to feel joy. I couldn't think of them for a long time without being sad. Um, it just was something where I felt guilty to be laughing and to feel joy. It wasn't easy for me for such a long time.
0: Oh, I, can, I, I, I can't even begin, I, I, I can't even begin to think of how you go about recovering because there is no time period there, you know, just like with this illness, there is no handbook for the grieving process and and things like that. And I I feel like with this illness, we grieve all the time because I feel like in a sense, we're grieving our former selves. So I feel like a, a lot of individuals, me and myself included, it's you're you're con- you are like in a grieving process in a in a different way over the loss of things that you couldn't do when something horrible happens like you experienced i feel like it's compounded more than someone else because you're already in a grieving
1: period i mean you didn't have your
0: diagnosis
1: yet i don't think right Correct. So I had the chiropractic issue, right? And then, and that was in August. And then by April, my mother passed. By July, my father passed, and um, the, all the things that happened after that, it was just a complete shit show.
0: No, <laughs> no, I, I completely understand, and the fact that 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 the fact that you have come out of this so positive. And then you turn, you know, turning to energy healing. It's what you went from not believing you went from being, I know we've talked in the past, you know, about being a skeptic and this, that, and the other. At what point did it turn in your body, in your mind that you were going to embrace energy healing, that you were going to embrace you know, to, to come out of the grieving to where you could look at, at what point did that change for you? Was there
1: Mm. one
0: thing? Was it you convincing
1: yourself? Was it an experience? Do you remember? I do. And it's really two separate time periods because I took Reiki for the first time when I had my, when I was pregnant for the first time. And I was a big skeptic at that point And asking very good questions. When I look back, I was asking, where does the energy go? How do you measure it? How do you know the impact of the person you're sending it to really looking for guidelines, looking for what are the, they call them universal laws of, um, there's, there's a lot of that gets into a complicated conversation, but, um, I was asking questions about energy and how to use energy. And the more I asked, the more I sought, the more I found. And that went on for um, you know, a good 20 years, going deep into the esoteric science of healing and meditation and breath work. And now I look back and I realize I got to the end of what I was doing at that point and I needed a break. I knew my body was fatigued. I was exhausted. And I wasn't sure why that I needed to stop doing the type of energy healing I was doing and do something different. And what was happening was the hypermobility. The sitting for four to five hours at a time and doing long meditations was adding tons of tension in my inner body. And that bracing and guarding to sit upright for long periods of healing other people and meditation. However, what I, what, you know, going back to the skeptic part, for me, the thing that I would like to share if we have time um, is just simple breathing that I did. I was stressed and fatigued when I had my first baby, high need, colicky baby. And on top of the not realizing why structurally I was more exhausted than the typical mom. And I hear People say that now that have HEDS. And I say that smiling because I felt so alone. I felt like all these moms around me were super moms. And, you know, why am I so flat out exhausted? And why can't I keep up with them? So, doing breath work and going into energy healing started to teach me about energy. Um, What is the difference between higher and lower frequencies, the light in the dark, the light in the dark within? How do you release stress? And by doing simple five to 10 minutes a day breathing techniques, I realized I was getting calmer. I was getting more relaxed. The level of stress of having a newborn was going down. The difficulty of dealing with an 18-month toddler who had 14 food sensitivities and gluten issues um, and all those allergies back in 1998, there wasn't really anything. I had to make everything from scratch. (laughs) Wow. So it was overwhelming. There were a lot of things that were overwhelming. So for me back then, those were easier things to deal with than than what I dealt with later on. So it was kind of a stepping stone for me where the more I did breathing, the more I did meditation, the calmer I got, the better I felt, the more inspiration I felt, the more I felt I could tackle the day. Um, Starting your day with doing simple breathing and doing some simple centering Um, of your energy for the day. My kids would tell you now, they would say to me as they got older, they um, lived in a house where I did lots of meditation and energy work and breathing. And I would teach them how to breathe out what they were feeling, how they were upset and how to breathe. And, And it's really kind of a funny story. Once they got to a certain age, if I wasn't behaving as a you know, giving, loving mom, and I was a little off, they would call me out on that and say, I think you need to go clean your energy. (laughs) And my response was, I agree. I do need to go do that. And I would step outside and I would do my breath work and I would come back in. (laughs) So, you know, that that's kind of the dynamic that I experienced as a young mom, wanting to just be the best mom that I could and to not be you know, kind of taking out my own stuff on them, you could say.
0: I, I, I can't, I can't imagine your child saying, I think you need, I think you need a timeout, mom. I think you need to go work on your breathing. So, I mean, so you say it. So, um, somebody's out there, they're listening. They're a skeptic. They're in pain. They've done physical therapy. They've had surgeries. They're listening to us now and they're hearing, okay, breathe. Okay. That's going to fix everything. I mean, it's got to be more than just a few breaths in. I mean, there has to be something that you're doing other than just breathing, or is it simply just taking five minutes and stepping away from a situation and honestly just doing nothing but focusing on your breathing and nothing else?
1: There's, there's levels, right? So that was an easier time. Like I said, I was just dealing with the stress um, and fatigue of being a mom. Um, I was using my body wrong, and that was causing more issues, but really at a low level compared to what happened later. And so just doing breathing back then, doing meditation, I was able to manage everything. Um, it wasn't until I had the chiropractic incident that my techniques were not working anymore, because I really had a brain injury and didn't know it. And I couldn't understand why I wasn't able to clear myself. And I do believe in my case, not in everyone else's case, but for me personally, going through that experience helped me to create new ways of healing, helped me to find new modalities that are out there, and to really have more compassion for other people that have gone through difficult things like that, where I really did not know what anxiety was like. I was fortunate enough to never really have anxiety. Um, I didn't know what triggers and PTSD were until I walked through that. What I did took a lot more out of me. It was exhausting. I found new ways to get through it. And I had to just go through it. Some days were really, really difficult. And some days I would start to see the light. And I feel like um, I'm fortunate enough that I feel like today I am pain-free. I'm managing symptoms. I may have symptoms come up as uh, I did this week. I have a tendon in my wrist and K-tape on, and I have a a wrist brace and shoulder things going on. So things will happen, but not in the way that they were happening um, earlier on from the from the chiropractic incident on, the pain just skyrocketed to the point where I felt disabled. Wow. I, I and and you have
0: since managed yourself solely with breathing, meditation, the oils, essential oils, and and, and things like that. I mean, you have.
1: Well, and and I you know, we know that everybody's case is different. And for me, what worked was block therapy. That was the thing that, and the way that I explain it to people is as an energy healer who feels like I was able to manage all kinds of pain, I had an L5S1 herniation. It was extremely painful. I had extensive nerve damage down my leg, had no idea why. We understand now with the fascia and the tearing and the connective tissue issues. The nerve damage was pretty severe in my leg, and no one could understand. No one could explain it. I went until I started, so that happened around 2011, and it wasn't until um, this past summer, this past summer that I finally was able to get the majority of the nerve pain to release and heal. Wow. I sat, you know, I had to sit, I couldn't, I couldn't sit a certain way. So I have my pelvis. I'm still working on correcting my pelvis because of the way I sat all that time. I couldn't, you know, when you have nerve damage, anyone that has it can understand there's oftentimes or the skin sensitivity, you don't want things on the surface of your skin or your body. Oh, no, definitely. If
0: I tell people, it feels like my nerves are on the outside of my skin. It feels like, if if you could see me, it would you would see nothing but red. It feels like you're inflamed. You don't want mm-hmm. to go by you.
1: Correct. And yeah, so I sat, you know, I sat cockeyed. Yeah. I didn't want my the underneath part it was the back of my thigh. So I didn't want that touching things. And I couldn't couldn't sit through a movie theater, couldn't sit on an airplane and you know, all those things that people with sciatic issues understand. And I constantly was looking for answers, chiropractic, body work, manual therapy, and manual therapy and Pilates together healed a lot of it. I worked through the fear of of moving at that point. After you go through that level of pain, as others will understand, then you're really kind of afraid to move and not trusting the person who's telling you how to move. Luckily, I was able to work through that and the level and quality of you know, the pelvic stability started to heal. The upper body and the tension doing Pilates, I was um, doing the teacher Pilates training. And through that time, the pain skyrocketed because of the underneath bracing, guarding, and fascial issues that had added up over a lifetime. So for me, block therapy, I know with you it was fascia blasting. And I love that we've done two different modalities. We have two different approaches and I'm sure there's far other approaches out there and can't wait to hear other people's experience. For me, it was just simply lying on a wood bamboo block, which I thought was incredibly ridiculous. I could not understand why that would work, <laughs> <laughs> but as someone who doesn't want to talk it through, I don't, I don't um, prefer to do talk therapy. I prefer, an energetic approach. I prefer breathing and meditating and just letting it go. I don't wanna have to rehash trauma and talk about it. I would rather just do this type of approach. And it worked for me. The more I was on this wooden block every day for two to four hours a day, and the pain and the guarding was just melting off my body. While I was doing that, I incorporated the energy healing and meditation and breath work. And finally my meditations without the block got to be stronger and my new methods of healing were coming in and I was able to overcome faster and faster. The more body work I did, the more strengthening I did, the more I was able to overcome. However, as you know, it's an extremely difficult process.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. And it, it makes me think since we don't really know, we, we don't really have many people to ask and, and, and share this with to find out because this is new to us. And that's why, you know, we're doing this to hopefully find other people. Right. Um, but we were talking the other day, you know, about, about fascia and how long it takes to heal. And when I spoke with, uh, dr brad vovoidic the creator of the body braid he you know understands fascia i mean he's in all he's in all the uh seminars and you know all the things that they do international he's right there and he's like a normal injury and damage to your fascia takes six weeks to heal so you can't exercise fascia you just need to wait it out i'm curious as to how long we need to heal from doing extreme fascial work because it was bound for so long and it was causing all of this trauma and it held so many emotions and it's extremely painful to release it. How long do you think we would need to heal it has to be more than the six weeks. And I know you and I have not waited six weeks in between sessions working. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I, <laughs> I probably should have. Um, the one piece that I will mention is I turned into a wet piece of spaghetti because I was doing so much releasing. Um, so calibration is something that I think is really, really important for the work that I did. And I should have been not blocking and going so deeply so fast, but it felt so good wow. to get that pain oh, out that, of my body. Yes, I know. I mean, I've, I've said since I started block work that if my house was on fire, I would grab my block and run. <laughs> 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 Maybe my dog too, my family, but yeah. you know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, that was such an important um, tool for me. That's what I would grab if I had to grab a tool um that block was crucial to what i was doing the more i did the more i saw the more i understood about my own body because you know my body is very different than yours um i'm thicker than you <laughs> <laughs> and i had a lot and i say that because just as an example of fascia and the different types of fascia for me it took a long time of blocking through some areas of my body like my leg it had so many layers of either inflammation or fluids or whatever was in there, um, toxins. It took a long time for me to get to the layers of structural issues, you could say. So I was working on fascia and I was breathing through it and releasing toxins and I was doing um, foot baths, ionic foot baths to help purge the toxins out and certain supplements to help with that and diet. But it took probably, you know, like I just said, it didn't heal the nerve damage in the dynamics around that. And until this past summer, two years after blocking, because I believe it was so stuck and glued and the, even the hamstrings were glued either to the fascia and the nerves and all of that. And it took a long time for me to melt through those dynamics so that more space. We're creating more space as we're releasing. We're breathing through. We're creating more blood flow. Um, and we're healing those cells all around there by releasing out those other toxins. So as you're cleaning in the cellular level, the fascial level, and bringing more fresh you know, energy into there, I finally started to feel the movement. So now when I stand, before it just felt nothing. Now when I stand, I can feel those um, areas moving around. I can feel the hamstring starting to get stronger and some of the ligaments and the connection from the foot all the way up into the pelvis prior to that no i i you could say fire this that or the other thing in pilates and i i just couldn't
0: no that that that's the exact thing that that's where you know like you brought up like a wet noodle that's where i mean i've questioned i've released these adhesions but i think they were what were holding me up (laughs) because I think, you know, I was used to walking with adhesions in my feet. When you release those adhesions and now you're actually feeling your foot hit the floor, you're actually feeling your toes that can separate you, you. It's, it's all new. All of these feelings are new and it's hard to, to, to go away from the, the way you have changed your gait and things like that to accommodate the pain that you were in, it's its hard to relinquish the old ways to go back and walk properly
1: and to utilize your body properly, at least for me. For me too. I had um, three different types of surgeries on both feet. Um, I had bunionettes on both feet at the age of 19 and I had a ganglion removed from the top of my foot that went down to the bottom. Mm. So I still, um, just getting, you know, two years later, I'm getting to the deeper parts of those tendons and it's starting to um, be loud, you could say. And last summer doing, you know, I, I did very consistent block work, block therapy, standing on the block, and gently releasing the adhesions under the foot, trying to target those surgery sites and to melt it because the, you know, the foot didn't have a lot of good circulation. I could compare it to the right and see the difference there. However, the more I blocked, I ended up with a fallen arch, which I had never had. I didn't experience that. And you know, it's upsetting. Those are that's where I can say as a block therapy instructor, going through that was not fun. That was not fun at all. I mean, you're working hard every single day. You're doing everything you can. And now I have a fallen arch. I have to wear orthotics. I have pain in my foot and I can't walk or exercise through the summer at all. I'm housebound now. What I did to overcome that was daily exercises. I looked up everything I could on Fallen Arches. I bought a, I think it was about $30. There's, um, and I can share too, on Amazon, I have a ATDS site that's open to the public to see what kinds of things I've purchased that work for me. Okay. Oh. There's a little band that you can get. um, And it's just like a Velcro, not not Velcro, it's a stretchy band. Oh, I and it go and I guess gymnasts use it and they put it on and it holds the arch and it gives that proprioception. Yeah, I've got, this. um, oh, you have that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, I would wear those only for short times because that area for me was painful too. So, I didn't want to overdo it. I would just wear it occasionally for like a, an hour or so. Um, I did those, I did the strengthening feet exercises, all those kinds of things rolling up on, you know, the heel lifts and the more I strengthened for me that did come back. And now I don't have orthotics. I don't feel like I have as much of a fallen arch, but the other thing that for me worked was, um, doing the fascial work from above the ankle on the inside, the medial side of the, of the leg. That whole area, I had some kind of toxicity going on in there, and it took a long time. But that's also when my my arch collapsed because I think you know it's like the fascial release. Once you get the fascial release, then the body doesn't have that strength underneath yet, so you have to start activating that.
0: So I, I, it's odd because our muscles get weak because they're being strangled by the fascia, but they're not dormant. I mean, it's not like they're not working and I don't feel like it's that they're weak. It's just like, they're not used to being, they're not used to firing. They're not used to. Mm -hmm. So
1: have you heard of dead, butt? have you heard that term? No, it's a term that I came across one time and I started laughing. I was like, Oh, I have that. (laughs) 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 And that's what, you know, it's, when you go into a bridge, for an example, I was not able to feel everything firing. I look like I have muscles there. You would think that something would be firing. However, it took me a long time because of the herniation in my back for me to start to really feel the glutes and to connect the connection into the hamstrings. Plus I had the nerve damage on the one side. Um, So it took a long time to get those dynamics worked out. And once you start to you know, fire the glutes and get them active and pump them. Um, that worked for me. I know for a lot of people, they don't like the squeezing and all those other methods because it can cause more tension. So I do agree. You really have to be careful. I believe with this condition that you're not squeezing and tensing and bracing your body, which I was doing a ton in my Pilates training and didn't realize
0: There's, yeah, <laughs> there's a. I, I yeah, because I was doing the Pilates and, and, and that, that just wasn't going to work for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and yeah, each person has to, to figure out what is their best way of exercising. And you're talking about the bracing and things like that. It's, it's almost uh, our, our bodies that have been in a, a, a fight or flight mode for so long. It's got to be hard
1: to change your mindset, I would think. Very hard. That's working out of the bracing. I didn't, you know, I knew of bracing for such a long time. I read about it. I heard it. I had, you know, people trying to help me with either PT, body work, and I could not connect where I was bracing until I did the body work. And as I did the body work and realized that now I have such laxity, Then I realized that the rest of my body still would go into this clenching. The best example I I always give to people who do not have hypermobility, and we know we do this with the rest of our body, when I write, I hold that pen for dear life, like someone is trying to take it from me. And I'll catch myself repeatedly, and I'll have to open my hand, relax my whole arm up to my shoulder. If I don't, that tension goes right up into my neck and head. And I don't realize I'm doing that, so I know that if I'm doing that with just holding a pen, I still am doing that with the rest of my body. No, that makes sense. That makes it's automatic. I mean, at fifty three, it's automatic. So I'm still retraining, and you know, there's lots of talk about retraining the brain, retraining the brain for pain and out of the pain loop. Um, And those are difficult conversations. Right, Christy? I mean, we've kind of talked about that yeah. a little bit. It's it's a difficult conversation of, are you creating it? Um, are you bringing this to you? Are you focusing on the pain? And I understand that on an energy level and would say that go using that type of dialogue and going down that path often is not helpful. I feel like just breathing and letting it go, doing some body work, going for a walk, sitting in nature. There's other ways of releasing and unwinding and breaking if you're looping, meaning you're thinking of the thing that is either negative and impacting your health in some way. Um, You know, my foot is killing me is a good example. You don't want to say my foot is killing me. My foot is loud right now or the pain sensitivity is high right now the more you can get into neutral tone and wording is better so that you can allow yourself to move through it rather than, you know, saying something negative or in a terms of bringing pain to yourself. Does that make sense? Oh, no,
0: definitely. And then uh, let's think. And, and again, I, I, this is what I'm saying. We could do, we we've got hours of shows in us cause we can go everywhere. Now we're going off the fashion and this, that, and the other, and I love it. But Let's say right now, Christmas is a few days away, you're grieving, your body's aching, you're hurting, and then actual grief sets in from something that's bothering you in life, something tragic has happened, or this is a time of year that brings up sad things for you, things like that. How do you get... (laughs) <laughs> how how do you when you feel like you're in the bottom of the deepest hole and you can't get out how do you separate and and sit there and try and because I'm thinking as an individual out there if I'm listening and I'm feeling like I'm actually hopeless and there's nothing I can do and then I'm hearing someone say you need to think about the pain in a different way this that, that how does an individual attack when they've got grief coming from so many different places, they've got pain coming from so many places, how do you narrow it down? How do you get started? I mean, cause it's, it's easy to say, okay, you've got pain in your hip, just call it loud, think it away, think that it, it's not going, but then there's all these other things. How, how do you decide where to
1: start when you feel completely hopeless? It's, it's such a difficult thing to answer and it's finding what works for you. And I would list off some things for people to consider that might work for them. I rotated through things of just turning on comedy, watching something that I could be a little bit more neutral to, or, you know, mindless to, and just kind of zone out, um, Aside from, you know, aside from meditation, because I didn't always want to meditate, didn't always want to work energetically. Um, I mentioned essential oils for me. I, you know, will put on essential oils and smell them and hope that that shifts something. Uh, Drinking herbal tea. I looked up um, just for today because I have a variety of teas that I feel like, did it solve my problems and pain? Not necessarily. Did it numb it down or... shift shift me on an energetic level? I think that it did. I wouldn't say it was my cure. I wouldn't say that it took all my grief away or that it took all my pain away. These little things that I did helped me to feel like I was doing something and kept me hopeful that they would help shift me in some way. And I didn't focus on them as a cure-all. I took them because I also enjoyed smelling essential oils. I enjoyed drinking certain teas. Um, certain teas, when I open them, the smell of them are uplifting lavender together with chamomile and rose or, um, hibiscus tea. When you drink it, it can be an uplifting vibration to it. Not just, um, doesn't really have much of a taste, but adding honey to these types of herbal teas. I looked up on a website, mindfulnessandgrief.com and right away it came up. Hawthorne, which is a known herb to help heal not just the heart um, emotionally, it also helps cart for heart health. And there are cardiologists that have recommended supplements that include Hawthorne. Yeah,
0: I've heard of that. Okay.
1: Rose, Motherwort, Linden. Um, this one was new to me. Mimosa is um, known as the tree of happiness and it brings groundedness and helps you to feel stronger. And Tulsi tea, I've never really relied on it but I like how it reads and now I'm thinking I'm gonna look for some. It's also known as holy basil, increases energy, vitality, longevity, well-being, um, and helps you to feel less hopeless, more in tune with the world around us. It helps for the digestive system, immune system, nervous system, cardiovascular system. So some of these herbs are well-known to help be more uplifting, to help shift grief. And they are on subtle levels. Like I said, it's not a pill where it's gonna just numb and take away the pain. It's working on in a different way, which tends to be more slow. It tends to be more subtle and gentle on the body. Nervines are herbs that help calm the nervous system. And those are really, really good to take instead of caffeine. However, I will say I couldn't have survived those days without my caffeine and my coffee. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, my motivation to get out of bed in the morning often was lying there going, I'm going to have coffee and coffee makes me happy. And, you know, I know it's not great for my nervous system in this condition, but that's how I got out of bed some days. I would drink my coffee and then I would drink my herbal tea. Those are some examples of some of the things. Other things when I really was at my lowest is just looking out the window, watching nature. Um, I'm lucky enough that I have grown herbs and have plants around me and that makes me happy. Little, any little things that can bring you to just just shifting yourself in a subtle way. Does that make sense? Oh, No. It, it definitely does. And, and it's good to hear
0: because it's, you know, I, I'm, I want it done and I want it done yesterday. And there, there, I don't have patience. <laughs> there is no time there. You know, I want everything done instantly, but sometimes it just, it doesn't happen like that. And the fact that you're bringing up these oils and things, it, it seems like it's, not so much also the what you're putting into your body as much as you taking the time to do something for yourself. Because it seems like taking the time to make the tea, taking the time to, to do the oils. It seems like the, the main thing is you need to do what a lot of us don't do, which is take the time for yourself.
1: Yes, and I'm similar where I like fast healing, and I've been fortunate enough to have found methods to heal myself pretty fast, Um, although these difficult years that I'm talking about did take a long time, and so I did go through the why, as a healer, someone who can heal everything, why is this not healing? Pushing myself to heal, forcing myself to heal, forcing myself to attend things and do things and get certified in Pilates. Giving up my certification for Pilates at the doctor's recommendation was very difficult for me. And no one around me understanding why I needed to do that. Me not understanding why I needed to do that and having to just let go. Having to find another way to heal myself and pull myself out of that. All those things are not easy and there's, there's something that we're, that's kind of an umbrella to what we're saying. Is To me, there are two key areas that people fall into for healing. Um, there's the allopathic and there's the natural side. There's the wanting to control the body and your method of healing and control pain and control your emotions. Um, everything around controlling, meaning you're going to take something or do something to make your pain go away, to make your emotions leave your body or these negative thoughts or your situation, or going to the more natural side of allowing yourself to go through this experience, to really look at these feelings, be with these feelings, get the right support, take the time for yourself to process them and not try to force your body into healing. Now we'll see. Now this is where
0: I I I where I guess I start to question and then, and then and I need to know. Going back to, like to something you said before, uh, you were talking about rather than like if you want to do the talk therapy, you didn't want to do the talk therapy. You know, you went into the block therapy, and then what you just said. Now, do you believe that you could? have done talk therapy and gotten the pain relief that you've gotten from <laughs> releasing your fascia because the now this is because I had doctors telling me with therapy with encouragement you'll walk it didn't matter what you, there was nothing I could do until I released those adhesions do you believe that you could have talked your way out of this
1: no No. And my sister is a wonderful, very successful trauma therapist. And I love how hard she works for people that are on the front lines, first responders and trauma. And she's watched me go through this process. And, you know, it just, she knows that this is what worked for me. And no, the, The difficult thing was the doctors and friends and healers around me did not understand why I had the pain I had. There were all kinds of reasons of why I didn't, you know, why I was suffering. And in the spiritual world, they'll look at your karma and, um, you know, the way you're thinking. You'll look energetically at someone and see certain energies and vibrations, entities, negative beings and Frequencies, And you could say you're keeping that in your energy because of um, you're thinking about that and you're calling it in. It's your karma. Um, you're not helping people. I've had all kinds of things said to me and none of them understood the deeper bracing and guarding in my fascia that I created throughout my life, being hypermobile and not knowing how to strengthen my body properly because that's because i i
0: i respect what you believe and i respect what you do because i find it very interesting and i do i i do see how it has how how you've embraced it and your like your energy your everything it's like i want some of that (laughs) oh (laughs) and it's it's incredible to me but i was like I just needed to know where you stood on that because I, I just don't believe, I believe there are some things that you can talk through. I don't believe the level of pain that you had and the issue that you have with your fascia. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that that could be talked out of anybody.
1: No. However, I do think that if I did seek out a therapist, it would have been valuable to have that verbal support. Oh, Definitely. So I don't discredit that. It's just that that was not going to cure my pain, right? And how I was holding my body. And once I, after the chiropractic incident, after losing my parents, I was holding an incredible amount of trauma and tension because of the brain injury and trauma it, it was, it, it created this dynamic within my body where I was just holding on to things and being in a level of pain. Plus, I had, um, right after the chiropractic thing, I had COVID 16. It was 2016. I had a coronavirus, very, very similar to COVID, except that I didn't have the respiratory. It stayed in my head because of the brain trauma. It didn't leave my head. So the incredible um, sinus and ear issues, and all of that, whatever was going on with this virus, lingered. And that caused these blockages. And we'll talk about sticky fascia, but we also have sticky energy. Once you can't process things in a timely manner or with fluidity, they can become stuck. So being in pain, being in a brain trauma state, then having grief and loss And then having more pain because of the underlying condition of hypermobility is talk therapy going to help that it would help on some level, but it wouldn't have gotten to the pain that I had to find in my body and the work that you do and the work that I do, we're looking for the pain in the body. We're searching for it. Right. It's there already. We know it's there. If we go into that pain using whatever modality, lying on a pillow. Um, using a rolled towel, using the fascia blaster, using a piece of wood, whatever you're using, if you go into the body and find that pain that already is there and the source of it and you breathe through it and you let that go over time, you'll be able to create that space and that freedom and higher vibration can come into your body and you can release those emotions. There were times where all the grief would just come out I wasn't in talk therapy, I didn't have to talk about it, I didn't have to recall anything. I was simply breathing on a wood block and my grief escaped. It just let go out of my body where it was holding.
0: And that's another topic that I wanna bring you back because unfortunately we've only got about four more, about three more minutes actually. We need to bring you back to talk about block therapy to talk more about fascia and more things, <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> that, that we can come up with. But for right now, you feel that with what what are the the the, the top three like maybe what are the, the top three oils before we go that you would recommend to if for, for people to Help them calm down through the season. Maybe help them with grief. You know, what would you recommend?
1: Yeah, the top three: peppermint, lavender, and rose. Peppermint,
0: lavender, and rose.
1: And then, what was your Amazon thing again? Um, is there a way to put that in it in your podcast notes? I'm going to try and do it while we're talking. No, oh, um,
0: you know what? But
1: at- I'll do. I think it's Mel. I'm looking at it right now. Um, I have my website up, so I don't know if I can find the exact place where it is on here yet, but um, give out your, give out your website. Oh, and I, and I found it. So for Amazon, it's Mel's H S D AIDS. A I D S.
0: Okay. Mel's H S D AIDS. Excellent. So
1: that will show the
0: oils and stuff that you, that you've taken stuff that has helped you.
1: I don't have that on, but I'm gonna add them on so people see them. I have braces on here. Um, I have the arch brace on here. Uh, things like pumpkin protein. It's a really good protein. The DMSO that we talked about is on there. Eye cleaning solutions on there, books. So there's a variety of things to check out on there.
0: And that goes to Mel's HSDA's, and that's on Amazon, excellent. Well, I tell you what, as always, I appreciate you coming on and sharing. And I love when we start talking about fashion because I always learn something new and it's nice to, to hear it because then I'm like, yeah, I was feeling that. And it's so neat that somebody else else did as well. And I I thank you for coming on and sharing. And uh, will you come back and join us again soon?
1: I will, and I would also just mention that I have lots of free videos on the Facebook group called Healing Zebras. Um, I'm starting to upload more and more on there, and I'm offering a free class once a month. You can go to soulintegration.org. I'm offering a 30-minute once a month free class on block or whatever else people come to and want to talk about. Oh, okay.
0: So join the Facebook group. Healing Zebras and then soulintegration.org. That's on Instagram. Mel, you've got to come back. Thank you for, for coming on. And I, thank you for being here. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for having me, Christy. Thank you, Mel. You have a wonderful day. Join her Facebook group, Healing Zebras and Soulintegration.org. I'm Christy Lynn Hanchi. Thanks to Mel Gurry for coming by. You've been listening to AWOL Zebra. Have a lovely day.